If you have your Bibles, please uh, take them and turn with me to the book of Proverbs this morning. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 to 27 is where we're going, we're going to start. And it was on Mother's Day last month that I preached a message entitled Lessons from Motherhood. And that is that God blesses us and he teaches us through mothers in our lives, especially godly Christian mothers. And if you have a godly Christian mother, you wouldn't understand. You can say amen uh, to that. And then, of course, uh, the same thing happens uh, to us uh, through the blessing of godly Christian fathers. Like motherhood, fatherhood is God's idea. Uh, God is the one who established uh, the gift of children, and he's the one who created uh, the role of fathers and mothers. And God's, and it was his idea to use fathers to bless mankind. Uh, the calling to be a dad, uh, many of you here are dads, a happy Father's Day to you dads among us. Uh, hopefully you can get a nice meal uh, today uh, or get to spend time with your children in some way. Uh, but the calling to be a dad is a calling to be an instrument of God, a tool, a use, something useful to God, a, a vessel for God uh, to be used for his glory as you impact your children and your family and your community. As the head of a home, fathers uh, have a great responsibility to shape and guide the eternal destinies of every member of your home. And God has used and is using and will use fathers to bless us and to teach us. So this Father's Day, I'd like to share with you, just basically in a similar way as we did in Mother's Day, lessons that we learn from God's blessing of fatherhood. That God has given us fatherhood, whether you are a father or you're not a father, as you observe the fathers in your life, the fathers around you, the fathers in this church community even, that there are lessons that we can learn from God. God intends to teach us uh, through our fathers. And I hope that for all of us, uh, it will cause us, first of all, to praise God for the fathers that he has placed in our lives who fulfill God's will for, uh, for them. And for the dads in our midst, many of you, particularly those of you that have your little ones, happy first Father's Day. Excited for you guys. Uh, just, uh, Father's Day will never be the same. Uh, but it's great to have uh, our new dads with us today. Hopefully for all our dads, even as you hear the, the word of God today, that it might encourage you. Uh, even for the future-to-be dads, uh, that I encourage you to know that this is what uh, you would attain to. This is what you strive to be uh, as an instrument of God for his glory. So uh, this morning, we're going to just look at simply uh, three points, three lessons that God teaches us through fathers. <clears throat> I'm going to look at various texts this morning, but we will begin in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 to 27. Before we get read the text, I'd like to uh, pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word, and thank you that fatherhood is your idea because you are a father. You are a heavenly father. Thank you, Lord, for the earthly fathers you give us, and through, and through them, the many blessings that you intend for them to have upon our families and our society. We're grateful, Lord, for the dads in our midst today. We pray that you would cause them to be encouraged uh, by your word encouraged by their family, encouraged on this day as they are honored by those in their lives. We do just thank you for this time that we can open up your word. Thank you, Lord, that you reveal your will to us. Thank you that you were not left in the blind. And thank you for your spirit that teaches us. Lord, as we open your word and gain in knowledge, may you also help us to gain in wisdom, to learn to apply and skillfully your word to our lives. 
Uh, Lord, we commit this uh, service to you and pray you be glorified now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 to 27. Uh, I want to read it for us. King Solomon writes these words to his son. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. Watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Here in this passage, we find our first lesson that we learn from fatherhood. And we find it all throughout the book of Proverbs. And that is that fathers are given to us by God to teach us wisdom for all of life. Fathers teach us wisdom for all of life. Certainly, we'll, uh, wisdom is distinguished from knowledge. And that knowledge is that which is information or facts or that which is those things that are true. But wisdom is different. Wisdom is the skillful application of it. It's like a, you may know how theoretically how to operate a tool, but it takes skill to, to be able to use that tool well and so that you can accomplish your task. But wisdom is what fathers are given to God, uh, to us, to teach us. This uh, proverb, of course, is written by King Solomon, written uh, words to provide practical wisdom for living righteously before God. And that's the most important thing as fathers that they teach us, give us wisdom to how we might live righteously before God. Certainly, there are many things that fathers teach us. They teach us maybe somehow to drive, or they teach us how to, to walk or ride a bicycle. They may teach us how to throw a football or, a, or shoot a basketball. They may teach us how to do our homework and all those kinds of things. But fathers, in according to God's word, have this great priority to teach us how to live righteously before God. And we saw in verses, or we see in verses 20 to 22, that Solomon calls his son to pay attention and hold on to these, his words. Uh, he talks about his words, his sayings. He says, don't let them depart from you. Keep them in your midst. That is, keep them close to you always. Don't forget them. <clears throat> and this is kind of just funny because, you know, if you're a parent, you know how many words and sayings you tell your children all through life. And how much of them do they forget? Even as you can tell, oh, they're not listening to me. I can tell. Uh, and I can see it already in my own children. Like, man, they are not listening to me. I've got to somehow get a, figure out how to get their attention. But... So it's like, wow, this is exactly, I can see the repetition in Proverbs, exactly what parents do all the time. Listen to me. Remember these words. Don't forget these things. Why? Because these are for your life and for your health. It's good for you. I love you. That's why I'm telling you these things. These are life-giving words that Solomon tells his son. It's not his opinions. It's not just purely his experience. Solomon was passing on what he had first of all, received from his father. In particular, in particular, he had received wisdom from God. If you go back just in the chapter of chapter 4, go back to chapter 4, verse 3 through 5, and I'll put it up here for us. We see what Solomon had received from his own father. Chapter 4, verse 3 to 5, When I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother, he's talking about David and Bathsheba here. Then he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. 
kind of neat here, just this little fact. This is when he was the only child. There was David and Bathsheba would have other children. <clears throat> but when he was just the only child, and when he was young, a toddler, maybe elementary school age, <clears throat> David was teaching Solomon uh, these words, this wisdom. David was telling him, get wisdom. I'm going to try that on my kids. Get wisdom. Get understanding. That's what's most important. I want that you get out of this world. Get wisdom. Acquire understanding. David had taught Solomon wisdom. And now Solomon, in turn, was teaching the same wisdom to his son. Look at uh, verses 10 and 11 of chapter 4. He says, Hear, uh, hear my son, and accept my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have directed you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in upright paths. So what David had taught Solomon, wisdom, Solomon now was teaching his own son, the way of wisdom. And this was what what every Israelite understood as their responsibility before God. We had just read in our call to worship, I appreciate that, our elder Bill read out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. And Deuteronomy chapter 6 is the fundamental passage for every Israelite of their parental responsibility to teach the ways of God or the word of God to the next generation. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 and 2 with me. <clears throat> now, this is the commandment. This is Moses writing this, by the way. The statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God. You see, so there's this intention that every, a father is going to teach his son, and the son's going to teach his grandson. Going to, every generation is going to teach the next generation to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Moses had commanded the Israelites to teach God's commandments, first and foremost, to their sons, so that their days would be prolonged, so they would have life and health, essentially. God's commands are for our good, and he wants them to, the Israelites to live long in the land, to prosper in the land. This idea of living days being prolonged is exactly what we read in chapter 4, verse 22 of Proverbs. And this instruction begins with the teaching of God's commands. The God's commands, in, at least in Deuteronomy 6, is the Old Testament law. But that as, it, as God's word has been completed, we would apply, could apply that to all of Scripture. But it's not enough to simply know what God's commands are. We could teach God's commands. We can teach our children. We, we often start off with just memorizing. Here, memorize these Ten Commandments. And they might memorize them. They might know the commandments. But it's not enough. For one must not only know them, but one must obey them and apply them to life. We see this instructed in Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 to 7. A few verses later, Deuteronomy 6. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. So you're going to remember them, meditate upon them, internalize them. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. So the faithful father is going to, first of all, to teach God's commands. And second of all, he's going to talk about God's commands. These are not just saying the same thing, though they are similar things. He teaches what the God's commands are first. He's to tell them these are the commandments of God. But then he's also to talk about it throughout their days, throughout their life, on every stage of life. He's not just reminding, oh, remember, here's the Ten Commandments. 
when you're sleeping. And then, oh, no, here's the Ten Commandments when you're awake. Oh, remember, here are the Ten Commandments now that you're walking around. No, it's as they live life, he's talking to them about how those commandments are lived out and applied. And this is wisdom. The father, or in, you include a mother in here, gives wisdom and knowledge, knowledge and wisdom to their children. Wisdom, as I've already mentioned earlier, uh, it can be defined as the skillful application of God's word to life. And it takes wisdom to obey and apply God's commands to the myriads of situations that arise in one's life. And throughout life, we face so many things, so many different circumstances, situations. And we may know, as we're learning God's word, different commands, but it is sometimes difficult and very challenging for how we might apply the various commands to our life. And that's where the counsel of fathers, and sometimes we seek the counsel of other older folks for that wisdom. In verse 23 to 27 of, chapter, of Proverbs chapter 4, you go back there, please. Proverbs 4, 23 to 27, you notice all the aspects of our life that wisdom touches. We just read in verse 23, 27. Look at all the different, just look at the, the parts of the body that we see here. Uh, verse 23, watch over your heart with all diligence. Verse 24, put away from you a deceitful mouth. Uh, verse 25, let your eyes look directly. Uh, verse 26, watch the path of your feet. Turn your foot from evil. Verse 27, the heart, the mouth, the eyes, the feet are all affected by the wisdom that a father teaches his son. Uh, the heart, of course, is that, we, as we look in the, learn in the Old Testament, is that mission control center. It's that from which all our thoughts and emotions and will, desires, flow out of. And so the heart is so important that wisdom would influence the heart. Um, everything Jesus would uh, later instruct in the New Testament about how things, the words, things that come out of our mouth come from the heart. The mouth, of course, refers to one's speech, how we talk, the things that we say. The eyes uh, point to what we see or what we're focused on. It's our, it's our goals, our aims. It's our desires, our purpose. The feet describe uh, the path or the direction of one's life, where we're headed to, what's our goal, what's aim, are they, our aims. And so faithful fathers teach us wisdom that speaks to all these areas of life, to the heart of your child, to the mouth of your child, to your eyes of your child, to the feet of your child. You would address them all. Faithful fathers teach us how to live rightly before God in all areas of life. Anyone can pass on knowledge. You can read in a book. You say, okay, I'm gonna, here's the knowledge. Here's the command. But wisdom, wisdom is often passed on from those who are older in the faith to those who are younger. Wisdom is something you gain by experience, by learning to apply God's word in your life. And then you learn, and as parents, they, do, they learn that throughout, as younger men and women, and as they get older, they can teach that to the, their children. And it's what a father passes on to, our, to his child. Uh, and I, I realize that even in this room, some of us, we think about, uh, this is what fathers do. This is our, the blessing of fathers. And uh, some of us here have, have lost our fathers. Have gone, fathers have passed on, gone to be with the Lord. But God, nevertheless, has, has blessed us with many, in this church, with many older men. We thank God for this church. You, you look around this church. If you ever attempt to think, man, why are there some, uh, all those older people here? You know, you know you, why am I not in a hip 20-something church, you know? Why am I not, why is not pastor not wearing skinny pants up there? Uh, 
you know, you should thank God for the fact that you have godly, older men and women in this church who fill those roles of fathers and mothers that we, we need, spiritual fathers and mothers that we need this in our lives. You know, you can, a young man can teach you wisdom. Anyone who's a little older than you can usually teach you wisdom. But those who've lived all life, and I, myself, just as a testimony, I'm so blessed because my father passed on a few years back. But I, I, still ha- I love to have the, our, older, our elders, our lay elders in this church. Uh, a lot of times when we're in our elders' meeting, I'll share with them about things that are going on in my life. And, and our lay elders will share with me their wisdom. They've lived it. They've gone through fatherhood. They've gone through all the, these, the stages that I'm starting to go through. And they tell me in, in, a, in their very, um, very discreet way. You know, they, they turn, they're careful not just to tell you, this is what you should do. But they're real subtle. And if I just listen, I say, ah, oh, that's wisdom. And I thank God for those uh, our elders in this church. And there's a lot of older men and women in this church who pass on wisdom to us. Now, so the fathers have this role of teaching us the wisdom for all of life. But we learn a second uh, tru- uh, truth from fathers, a second blessing from God, a lesson from God about f- that fathers teach us. Fathers teach us the discipline and instruction of the Lord. They teach us the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's go all the way to the New Testament. Uh, you've, we looked at Deuteronomy 6. Well, the equivalent of Deuteronomy 6 in the New Testament is Ephesians 6. I like that. It's, just, it's easy to remember, right? Deuteronomy 6, Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And we see in this verse, this passage where <clears throat> Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. He's describing to them uh, how to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, conducting the way, worthy of the calling that they have in Jesus Christ. And part of that is this uh, the proper re- relationships with different people in, in the church body, in our families as well. He talks to children, verse six, verse, uh, verses 1 through 3. But in verse 4, God addresses the fathers. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Paul addresses fathers here specifically. We might have expected parents or mothers and fathers. But God uses the word fathers here because fathers are the head of the home. They're ordained by God to be the head of the family and therefore is most responsible for the discipline and raising up of the children. And this may be surprising because a lot of times uh, in a traditional kind of uh, cultures, uh, it's the mothers who we think of as being primarily responsible for raising children. Yes, uh, the mothers may do the bulk of the work. They may choose uh, to be uh, stay-at-home moms. But we must know very well that fathers are the ones that are primarily responsible for the discipline and raising up of the children. And yes, they may wisely delegate that or share that responsibility with their wife. They ought to. They, we do. Raising your children is not something that is left to your wives. It's your responsibility, dads. It's our responsibility. We must all have an active role in the raising up of our children. And mothers, though, as you help your husbands the discipline of your children, these instructions, I would just simply add, apply to you as well. The Lord's instruction here to fathers particularly, but parents in general, is broken down into what a father is not to do and what a father is to do. The command here of what not to do is to not provoke your children to anger. Don't make your children upset and bitter, uh, angry at you. This verb uh, means to bring one to a a deep-seated anger. Some that they basically just can't shake. They're just always bitter. There's, uh, ideas. They're a constant anger. 
The form of the verb indicates that this anger is a result not just of a one-time action, not that, that you just failed your children in one way or, or did something one time, but it's a result of a habitual action. It's a result of our complete life's influence upon our child. It's never just a one-time thing because, face it, we all, and I'll testify to it all. As a parent, I fail all the time. I fall short, and we, we do fall short. But if, but this is not speaking about those one time or those moments, but it's talking about a, a pattern of life. The warning here is against the habitual patterns that a parent might do over a child's lifetime, showing favoritism to, to one child or the other, pushing them to achievement to an extreme, perhaps a, a, a lack of involvement in their life, not letting them grow at their own pace or even abuse of both verbal and physical. Those are just a few of the ways that we might provoke our children to bitter anger. That's what parents and fathers are not to do. Instead, but what are they to do? They are to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. They are to bring them up. This word bring up, uh, I just think it's a terrible translation. <laughs> but Because in the same word, back in chapter 5, verse 20, Ephesians, uh, verse 29, excuse me, is used, identical word, it's a, and it's translated as nourish. It talks about how Jesus' relationship with the church, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. This word nourish is the same word as bring up. And so it's not just bring up in the sense that you just raise them up. Eh, there is that idea. But it's the idea of growing them, growing them, and giving them what they need to grow. We, get, we have a responsibility as fathers to give and nourish our children with what they need to grow. And this is not just talking about physical food or, or milk. This is a figurative kind of food. The figurative food of the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's what our children need to grow, to be brought up. This is what they need to thrive. The word discipline it refers to the systematic training of children. That you don't just haphazardly raise up your children. There's a, there's a, a plan. There's a, a pattern of your life that you have in mind. There, the establishment of rules, uh, maybe the uh, punishments and rewards that you have. But it's, a, it's a, a system of training. Of course, the guideline for this training is the word of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, Paul writes there, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for there's our same word as discipline, for training, discipline in righteousness. God's word is useful for discipline in righteousness. So if you're going to nourish your children with the discipline that they need for godliness, then it has to begin with the word of God. Not only do they need the, the word of God, the, the discipline, the, the scripture in their life, but they need the instruction as well. That's also another uh, food that nourishes them. This word instruction is the has the idea of admonition and warning. So it's not just telling, again, it's not just telling them what is God's word, but it's admonishing them. When you give instruction for your children, it's not just for them to know, right? You want them to know it so that they'll live by it. And so there's this idea, this word instruction is this idea of admonition, that's the idea of warning. Uh, maybe it's uh, reflected in the many times that we remind our children uh, what they ought to do. Oh, remember now, when you walk across the street, look both ways. You don't just say, hey, uh, just look both ways before you cross the street. 
We're constantly reminding them as a form of warning. Look both ways before you cross the street or hold my hand uh, when we're out in the parking lot. Uh, At least that's in my stage of life. A father is regularly warning and admonishing his children of sin and danger. A father teaches and warns his children from the scriptures. Now, the key to right discipline instruction of children is that it's of the Lord. That's the word phrase of the Lord modifies both discipline and instruction. For everything that parents are to do for the child is to be of the Lord, of him. And that it's according to his word. It's by the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit. Fathers, you are God's instrument to teach your children the discipline and admonition, the instruction of the Lord. And that begins, or first of all, means that you yourself must know the Lord yourself. Because if you know the Lord, fathers, then you will understand that what's best for your child, what's, what they need to know, what they need to grow, is that which can be found only in the Lord. Because if you don't believe this, if you don't believe that what's best for your child is, is things that are found in the Lord, you're not going to give them those things. If you believe that the best, what's best for your child is an education, then that's what you're going to give them. You're going to make sure they get that great education. And that's not a bad thing. But it's not the chief thing. If you think that what's best for them is, is good relationships with others, then that's what you're going to pass on to them. You're going to pass them those pers- interpersonal skills. <laughs> and that's important, but that's not the chief and most important thing. Whatever you believe that's best for your child, is that what you're going to dedicate and devote your life to passing on to your child? If you don't believe it, it'll be very hard for you to be motivated rightly to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so one of the wonderful things about being a father is that it causes us to examine our own lives and our own priorities, doesn't it? I know I have. The things that I'm passionate for or once were passionate for or desired or looked after, I think, man, is this what I want my child to desire, look after, pursue after? It really causes me to check myself. And I trust that for you dads, you've gone through the same experience or are going through the same experience. For fathers, we have a responsibility to to teach the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Thirdly and finally, we're going to look at a third point. We're going to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 to 12. And that fathers teach us to walk worthy of God, to walk in a manner worthy of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Turn with me there, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. It's kind of fun to preach various passages. You get to flip around the Bible a lot, huh? 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 through 12. We read these verses. Paul's writing to the church in Thessalonica, um, this model church. Uh, and it's kind of very different from all the other uh, letters that he wrote to churches. That He has nothing but praise for this church. He writes to them in chapter 2, verse 9. For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children, so you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. When Paul wrote this uh, letter to the Thessalonians, they were a model church. They had a reputation of being an example of faith, uh, not only in their own area, but to the, the region. 
And here in chapter 2, Paul recounts his ministry to them. If you recall from Acts chapter 17, 1 to 9, Paul, during his second missionary journey, arrived at Thessalonica. And over a period of three weeks, he preached the gospel of God to them. And many in that church, in that city, both Jews and God-fearing Gentiles, uh, turned to the Lord in faith. We see that, we really see by 1 Thessalonians that the church thrived. We see in these verses, particularly, the specifics of what Paul taught them. Verse 12, uh, I'll just point you and go straight to the last part of this passage that we just read. Verse 12 states Paul's goal, his aim, his purpose in teaching the Thessalonians. He taught them so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. He's calling you to, to live a life that is worthy of God. God is, is holy. God is almighty. God is the, the perfect uh, creator. He is the source of all life, all truth, everything. He is all in all. And God is therefore worthy of our worship. He's worthy of not just our worship on Sundays, but he's worthy of the life that we live every day and every moment of our lives. And so Paul exhorts them to walk in a manner worthy of God. To, uh, this is a, a calling that he would teach the different churches in different places. For instance, in Ephesians chapter 4, 1, he wrote to the Ephesians, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Paul's aim in short for those he ministered to, those he taught the word of God to, is that they would live their lives in a way that glorifies the Lord that befits God's calling them into his kingdom and glory. So how did Paul accomplish this? How does he do this, we ask? Verses 9 to 11 kind of reveal what he did. First of all, in verse 9, we see that he proclaimed to them the gospel of God. How do you teach those whom you shepherd how to walk in a manner worthy of God? Well, it begins with the proclamation of the gospel, the proclamation of the cross of Jesus Christ, of how we are all sinners that fall short of the glory of God, and how God sent his son to come and to live a perfect, holy, righteous life. And then, not only that, but to die in place of us on the cross, bearing all our sins, that whoever believes in him will not perish, will not face God's wrath and judgment for sin, but have eternal life, have forgiveness of sins, have a restored relationship with God, so that we could walk in a manner worthy of God. Want to, fathers, as you want to teach your children to walk in a manner worthy of God, it begins with you teaching them, proclaim to them the gospel of God. Certainly, we have the help of the church, and they, they come alongside. For Paul, he taught the gospel of God. Secondly, and then moves on, his second thing that he did was that he was an example of godliness, an example of godliness. He, he reminded them how he behaved around them, how devoutly, uprightly, blamelessly, he behaved toward you believers, the church. He showed them how to conduct themselves through his own conduct. It's one thing to say, this is how you ought to conduct yourself. But it's much more powerful when you show them, this is how you conduct yourself by your life. So secondly, that's the, Paul provided an example of Godliness. Thirdly, he provided words of encouragement. Along with the conduct of life, he then spoke words of encouragement to the Thessalonians. Verse 11, we see uh, of how he exhorted them, encouraged them, implored them. And 
these were not just one-time things, but there was a, the, tech, uh, the, uh, the wording is that it's a continual action that he was doing. He was constantly speaking to them. And this is where in verse 11 we see this description now that he was exhorting, encouraging, imploring them as a father would his own children. As a dad would encourage his own children. Dads, and, the, and this is what you can kind of just make it as for an observation. Dads are expected to talk to their children. You know, I don't know about you, but I've done a lot of premarital counseling. And when I get to, uh, oh, tell me about your relationship with your dad. You know, about at least, if not 50 to 75% of the time, maybe even probably more like 75% dad. Oh, you know my dad. He was the kind of dad that just, he's, you know, doesn't say much. He's quiet. Now, I understand there are different personalities. And we all have different personalities. Um, but as a dad, you, whenever you what your personality is, you've got to be one who talks to your children. And it's not just uh, when they really, right before they get married, uh, that's <laughs> It can help us. It's a little too late. You want to talk to them as soon as they're born. Start talk, talk to them before they're born, right? You know, you're talking about they, they, they listen to you, their vo- your voice. Get them to get used to your voice. Talk to them. And then through, as they're born, encourage them, exhort them, urge them. I'm not much of a talker too, Dad. So, yeah, I know some of it's a challenge. Let's make an effort to talk to our kids. It begins when they're little. So dads who teach their children to then to walk in a manner worthy of God are basically going to do these three things. You're going to, you want to, your child to walk in a manner worthy of God, you're going to share with them the gospel of God. And secondly, you're going to make sure that your life is an example of, to them of, your, of what it looks like to walk in a manner worthy of God. And thirdly, you're going to offer them words of encouragement. You want to show them, you want to remind them continually, talk to them about how to live in a manner worthy of God. And I hope that by the grace of God, your child will learn to not only receive of Jesus Christ, their Savior and Lord. They will come to the same faith in Christ as you and, and your wife and partner together in raising them up. But then they'll Im- learn to imitate your example and they'll heed your words. And they, in turn, will then, as they become older and they rise up and they have God gives them children, they'll do the same for the next generation. And you can praise God for all of that. Because God used you as an instrument for his glory to teach your child how to walk righteously. And not just your child, but your child's children and their children and the next children and beyond that to walk righteously before God. Fathers, I know if you are like me, um, as you hear the word of God this morning, you might feel a little, a little heavy. Uh, this, as parents, I just so much guilt. <laughs> uh, or maybe it's just me. I don't know. Um, it's just so much guilt. So I'm like, oh, did I, did I do that right? I, I disciplined my child. or Did I do it right that time? Or I didn't discipline my child. Did I do it wrong? You know, there's all these kind of doubts, questions, that kind of thinking about after the fact. And, the, and I would just offer you, up to you the gospel, the gospel of grace. You know, God knows you're not perfect, your dads. None of us are perfect. Uh, but you, by the grace of God, have come to know the Lord. And de- as you depend upon God to do your best, in dependence upon God, you leave the results to God. God will forgive you. God forgives you. Your children will recover. 
Because God's grace is powerful in their lives. And they, and, but God will definitely use you to impact their lives. So uh, find hope in that dance. If you're a dad here and you, you don't know Jesus Christ, you're saving the Lord, then uh, I invite you to today turn your, your faith and trust into the Lord who saves, who died on the cross for your sins. Learn from your heavenly father. And may you be the best earthly father you can be to your children. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for our time together, and thank you for your word. And pray for our dads that you would, um, that you would encourage them from your word this morning. And we thank you, God, for our dads in our midst who you have used to, to instruct in these ways. And, Lord, I pray that you guard any of us from being bitter towards our dads, that some who maybe have, <coughs> who have been provoked to anger. Lord, that we remember the gospel, that we remember that we too are sinners, that we too are imperfect, and how difficult it is to be a father and a mother for our sin ever is before us. And it often hinders us from being the, for the, the kind of parents we want to be. But Lord, we thank you that for your grace, for the forgiveness of sins that is found in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we can even use our own imperfection to point our children to you who are our Heavenly Father who is perfect, who will never fail whom is the source of wisdom, is ultimately the source of all discipline and instruction. And Father, we thank you because we, you are the one whom we all live for, for you are worthy. And so we commit to you this uh, the remainder of our day and our service in Jesus' name.